This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, I'm Andre Yeo, Deputy News Editor for The Straits Times. And I'm David Sun, Crime Correspondent for The Straits Times. And I'm Jessie Lim, Journalist with The Straits Times. You're listening to the eighth episode in a podcast series by The Straits Times called Stop Scams. Since 2016, victims have lost more than $1 billion to scams. In this episode, we are speaking with Brian Bruce, Chief of Operations from the Global Anti-Scam Organization, or GASO. Run by former scam victims, GASO helps to raise awareness of scams in Southeast Asia and beyond. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Hi, Brian. Perhaps you could tell us how GASO came about and what it does to tackle scams worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. So back in about June of 2021, a global anti-scam organization was formed. Our founder, who was scammed, formed our organization. We've got about 3,000 total victims that now belong to global anti-scam organization, in which we've got about 80 volunteers that volunteer anywhere from social media to marketing to investigations. Um, We also have an IT branch of our team, but really rooted in uh, social awareness to make the public aware of these pig butchering scams, whether to prevent becoming a victim yourself of being a victim of the scams online, or also preventing yourself of being a victim of going to a scam compound and being human traffic. Also on the back end of it, we also support the victims through group chats where we provide some emotional support. My specific role at Global Anti-Scam Organization is in charge of our investigations team where we can really get into understanding these scams and um, how they operate and how they target victims. What's your full-time occupation? Do you have any prior law enforcement experience or are you just a, you know, an ordinary guy who's doing his, his bit to fight scams? Yeah, so my background, um, I'm 46, married with two kids. Uh, I have a 15 and 17-year-old. I've graduated with a bachelor's degree and two master's degrees, more in organizational leadership and a master's in business administration. Um, I work for a very large international organization I'm the head of our Americas division for warehousing distribution and helping with supply chain. So that's my normal job. I also invest. I've got a restaurant. I've got a staffing company, a third-party logistics company. Yeah, a pretty normal job here um, in the U.S., but also have investments on the side through different business entities. Brian, are you yourself also a scam victim? Uh, Yes, I am. In September of 2021, I was a victim of pig butchering scam. Mine was more on the investment side though. And so what we find, they go either romantic with you or investment with you, depending on where they can play. So they really get to know you and understand where they can get in to get money out of you. Um, I was a victim myself, about 200,000 US dollars in September of 2021. Um, We've got victims up to 1.6 million, up to 2.5 million. US dollars. So 200,000 to me seems on the lighter side, but it's probably average when we average all of our victims. How does the pig butchering scam work and how were you scammed? 
Yeah, so they target you on different media platforms. Um, mine specifically was off of LinkedIn, where they reached out to me on LinkedIn, and they worked at a, a Fortune 500 company, looked very legitimate, started talking business with me, knew the company that I worked at, actually sent pictures stating that they were there at the corporate office years ago. Then also had a friend that went to the same university as me years before me. And so really kind of connected that way. And so really wanted to hear about the businesses that I owned. And so they really target you to understand kind of your wealth, kind of what you do, and then build that kind of relationship with you on what you do. And so mine was very business platform, business minded. I invest in business. And so they kind of went that way with me to invest in crypto. Brian, maybe you can share a bit more about how you found yourself in the investigation role at Gasol. Yeah. So after I was scammed in September, personally, kind of how I reacted to it, I took the first month to really figure out financially, how am I going to get past this? Um, and so that's one thing I recommend to victims is first focus on yourself and, and how you're going to get past this. After I did that, I researched outlets to, first of all, I thought, how can I recover um, financially from this? But also, where can I support this from occurring and, and preventing this in the future? And I'll admit, at first, I was a little skeptical of anything online. So when I found Global Anti-Scare Organization, okay, I was a little skeptical. But they did validate me through filling out an IC3 form, which is a government form in the United States. And then they have a live chat that reached out to me once I signed up. And so really kind of got to know me. Once they got to know me, I was pretty active in our group chat, especially around how I was doing my own investigation on this. Uh, Brian, maybe you can share with us the the scam itself that you fell for. Um, you said you know they reached out via LinkedIn and they matched with you on different platforms. Um, when did they first make contact and how long did it take before they started asking you for money? So my scam was zpayex.vip was the, um, the specific URL that they gave me back in September of 2021. Um, I did research. Zepay is a legitimate company out of India. However, ex.vip is not legitimate. And so that's how they kind of use some of these platforms. And so they'll, they'll change the URL slightly. So that if you do research on ZebPay, it looks legitimate. So my scam lasted probably about 30 days. They started out on LinkedIn. That only lasted for two or three days off and on. Then they moved me over to WhatsApp. And so I was on WhatsApp and typically you can kind of tell the tone in WhatsApp and sometimes they'll change you to another WhatsApp number or they'll use Line, Telegram, They'll use other platforms also, but they've got somebody that onboards you. And so that was off LinkedIn. And so they're almost, they're, they're like an organization. So somebody onboarded me, they flipped me over to somebody else. And a lot of victims don't understand this. They think they talk to the same person the whole time. Uh, it's an organization. So somebody onboards you, they flip you over to somebody on WhatsApp that chats with you. Basic things. How's your day? Good morning. What are you doing today? What are you having to eat? But once they start talking crypto, that's where the team leader or supervisor comes in and they get more aggressive with you. 
So they introduced me probably about two to two and a half weeks in to crypto. I would say nowadays they can they do it much quicker, um, but they are patient with you. And so they kind of play you out. So mine was about two, two and a half weeks. And then over the next week and a half, two weeks is when I invested multiple times to lead up to the 200,000 until I went to withdraw and my account was blocked. That's when they try to scam you again. And they'll ask you for a couple things. They'll ask you for, hey, we need to verify you before we can withdraw your money. And this is the customer service of the fake website. And so we need you to send a third of your money into us to verify that it's legitimately you. Or they'll ask you more predominantly to pay taxes. So in order to withdraw your money, you've got to pay taxes to withdraw. And so you owe 33% of what you invested in order to withdraw your money. A lot of victims will pay that fee, then they'll lock it again, and then your scammer will come back and say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll loan you a little bit of money if you pay to unblock your account. Well, it's all fake money that they're using. And so they'll manipulate you again to, oh, wow, you know, you're being kind. You're going to loan me money. I'll go and get a loan myself also to get my money back out. And so they try to, it's called cut you a number of different times, hence pig butchering and, and the cut that they make to get you. So they'll, they'll fatten you up like a pig. They'll harvest you. They'll raise you through their words. And so good morning, good evening. How is your dinner? What are you eating? Here's photos. Let's share photos. I'm going golfing. So they'll fatten you up and then they'll butcher you and cut you. And usually it's the team leader supervisor that comes in for that cut. But what kind of claims do they make? Like, you know, do they claim that if you invest in this, you can earn like 20% returns? Yeah. So they actually have you go through and, and do an investment with them. And so they'll have you start small, a couple thousand dollars maybe. As you're going through that platform, they're manipulating the K chart. And then all of a sudden they'll tell you to close the trade. You'll close the trade and it will show you, oh, wow, you made 15% in that time on your investment. And you'll see that on the platform. And so you'll hold that. And then they'll, look, wasn't that good? Yeah, it was good to make 15. Okay, let's invest more next time and let's make some more. They'll let you withdraw sometimes, depending on the amount. They kind of play you on how much that you invest, whether they, they cut you off right away or they'll give you a little bit back if they think they can get more out of you. And so they kind of play with you over time. But... Once they get a certain amount, they're going to cut you off from withdrawing. Now, mine specifically, I didn't try to withdraw until I had about 200000 in there. And so over a week and a half, I was investing, investing. And I probably made three or four trades in there during that week and a half to two weeks in order to get up to that 200000 And then they locked me out. So you didn't make any money um, before you lost the 200000 I withdrew one time. Um, I think it was off 15,000. I withdrew 18 and I put it back in and then I went up to 200. So off the 15,000, I fictitiously made 3,000 because it's all fake. And so they've got a pot of money that they use to kind of give me the 3,000 back to show me, yeah, it's legitimate. It's real. You got 3,000 off of it. Here it is. I could have took it and went with it and didn't invest again, 
However, you know, saying that it looked real, I continued to invest up to 200000 Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now, back to my conversation with my co-hosts, Andre Yeo, David Sun, and our guests, Brian Bruce, Chief of Operations from the Global Anti-Scam Organization. When did you realize it was a scam and that you were not going to get your money back? At the moment I withdrew and they asked me for the, the taxes and I kind of made the comment, I pay taxes to my government, I don't pay taxes into this platform. And I was talking to the to the customer service group, but also the scammer at the same time. And so I started talking to the scammer and they acted, I don't know anything about it. You got to talk to customer service. What are you talking about? And so that's when I really knew that, okay, I'm not able to withdraw. They locked my account. They want tax money and I don't pay taxes to them. I pay it to the government. And so that's when I really found out myself where I'm not going to pay taxes to a a crypto investment investment. (laughs) I'm going to pay it to my government. And so that's when I personally found out about mine. So Brian, can you tell us a bit more about what the lure is, you know, about um, such investments? You know, you, you said that they told you to invest in crypto. Is there a particular reason why you felt that it was legitimate and something you wanted to invest in? Yeah. So once again, being a business owner myself, I do a lot of investments in, in different areas, and I've never really played with crypto. I knew people that have, and I hear, okay, Joe over in Alabama, you know, he's making all kinds of money off of crypto, Bitcoin, you know, he, he did it at the right time. So it was something that piqued my interest, especially when I hear that people have invested and made money off of it. Also, when they manipulated the charts and showed me, my scammer showed me how they've made money off of it. The website looked legitimate. I did my own research on ZebPay. It looked legitimate. And so, yeah, I was willing to invest. I invest in the stock market. I invest in business. So this was just another means of my portfolio to invest in something else. What role does greed play in in a person being scammed? I would say for some people it does. You know, it's a, it, this was a means of investing. So to counter that, I mean, there is this aspect that I invest in the stock market. Um, I invest in the 401k. I do that because I do want to, to make money for my future, for retirement. And so this was another means to make money for my retirement. Um, and that's the way I had looked at it was... Yeah, can I get to retirement quicker? And so if there was a greed part for me, it was probably around, is there a way that I can make a higher percentage of margin off my investment? Um, and it was predominantly for retirement for me in you know, 20, 30 years. Brian, so there are two questions I have. First thing, you know, you gave your own experience about uh, going through a pit butchering scam, but you said, you know, yours was more investment based. I understand there's also a, a version whereby it's love-based or relationship-based. Uh, could you walk us through that? And uh, another question also would be, where does Gesso come in and what exactly do you do? So the romance side of this, uh, when you hear pig butchering, it's really called romance scams also. That's predominantly, I would say, 90, 95% of our victims. The other 5 to 10 are just inve- curious to invest. Um, on the romance side, that's where it is talking about the future with you. 
building that relationship with you. There is a future. Let's invest for the future. And so they build dreams with you, islands that you're going to go to, travel that you're going to have. We've even seen victims that have traveled to potentially meet their scammer. And a lot of these are rooted out of Southeast Asia, whether it's Cambodia, Laos, or Myanmar are predominantly where we see these scams. Typically, we can pinpoint where it is based on the fake website that they give us through crypto wallet transactions. And so that's really what we follow. But the scammer will tell us that they're in Miami or Los Angeles or Canada, or and that's for kind of U.S. victims where we see it's in a large city. And so they'll even potentially say, hey, you know, when we build that relationship enough, we'll meet in Canada next week. And so they build that relationship really to gain your trust, talking about the future with you. And they'll insert that crypto in there with you also. But it does get romantic with a lot of victims where they feel emotionally connected. And so not only are you financially a victim, but a lot of our victims are emotional victims also. Some of these have lasted six months, eight months, and they felt that trust and you know, getting past that emotional relationship where they felt they had a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. That's a difficult part for them also. So it's very psychological for a lot of people and they play mind games with you. And it is psychological. They play with your mind, whether emotional, like I said, romantically, financially, they're playing and manipulating you any way they can. And it's building that trust and they do a good job at it. And uh, at the end, they, they cut the victim. Brian, I think it's quite interesting how you mentioned, you know, it's an organization that runs all these operations. And you also said that you see a lot of these in Cambodia um, and uh, in Southeast Asia. Can you share a bit more about, like, you know, what you've observed happening for the syndicates there? Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of them, uh, they'll, they'll produce fake job ads for the human trafficked individuals that they smuggle in. And so we see job ads. Some of them are Cam Cambodia, where you're going to work in a call center, you're going to make good money. You don't know that you're going to be cheating victims. You don't know that you're going to be a victim yourself trafficked into these compounds, you know, guarded by barbed wire. You can't leave the compounds. They're guarded by militia. I mean, they, they've got armed guards at the facility, almost like a prison camp. You know, I see ones from, they'll recruit to Thailand. Um, and I'll use Myanmar for an example. Let's say Mayawadi, there's parks there, Mayawadi KK Park, for an example. They'll produce job ads to go to Thailand, to work in a call center, to work in a manufacturing place, to work at a hotel. I, I see a lot of them, though, are just kind of call centers. You get to Thailand, you get to Bangkok, they smuggle you over to Maisachi, from Maisat down to Mayawadi KK Park. So they'll traffic you there thinking that you're going to make great money. If you have a passport, we're going to pay for your travel. We're going to pay for you to, to lodge. And then once you're there to get out, you've got to pay your fees. You've got to pay all your back fees. The fee that it took them to get you to Cambodia or to Laos or to Myanmar. And then the fees to house you every day, the fees to feed you every day. So in order to get released, there's ransom. So once you're within these parts and you don't perform to the KPIs, the key performance indicators that they have you to do, 
you can be tortured in a number of different ways through working longer hours, 15 to 17 hour days. Brian, you mentioned just now, you know, about the psychological effect. How were you psychologically uh, impacted after realizing you had been scammed? And how did you overcome that? So when I found out mine, um, and, and I talked to a lot of victims about this also, you've got this, this feeling in your stomach and it's like almost a gut punch, right? Oh, I was it. What happened? This is tough. How am I going to get past this? Personally, it took me about a month. It was really figuring out financially, how do I recoup and how do I get on? And so whether it's taking out a home equity line of credit on my house to pay off the, the money that I borrowed from friends. So I look at mine. I've got a 30-year loan now at $1,200 a month. It's a house payment or it's a very expensive car payment. And so kind of psychologically, I put my mind in that reference that, okay, it's just another house payment. It's just another expensive car payment that I'm going to have for 30 years. Ideally, I'm going to pay that off earlier. But it took me about a month to financially figure that out for me. And then once I got past that and I came to terms that, okay, I've got this extra payment. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a car. I've got a great job. I'm going to get past this. And so putting myself in that mindset of let me get back into the routine of everyday living and I can still pay my bills. That's how I psychologically cope with this uh, to get past this for myself. And when I talk to victims a lot of the time, you got to keep that daily routine. you got to keep yourself busy with the daily routine. You can't get bogged down by, oh my gosh, my money's gone financially figure out how you have a roof over your head, how you have a job, how you can pay your bills. Once you get past that, yeah, your your standard of living may be a little different than what you previously lived. You may not be able to go out to eat three times a week. You may not be able to take a vacation three times a year. Live to your standard of means that you now have. Continue with your job. Continue to pay your bills. And that's kind of how I try to talk to victims about coping with this financial loss. So just now you mentioned about the human trafficking aspect. Who do you work with? Which law enforcement agencies do you work with to help free uh, some of these victims? And um, how many victims have, uh, have been freed so far because of the efforts of Gasso and uh, law enforcement agencies? So uh, there's a number of things that we do with law enforcement. So I'll kind of start at the macro level. We, we provide law enforcement a lot of intel on our investigations. And so we work with different law enforcement here in the United States, giving them information and intel. It's tough for them to, to rescue um, human trafficked individuals. So we work with other government, whether it's working with Taiwan or Malaysia or Singapore, we work with any government entity that is willing to listen to us or work with us. And so let's say that a victim is in Cambodia and it's a Malaysian victim. So that's where we partner and we try to work with the Malaysian embassy and kind of intervene and try to partner to provide information on that victim to the embassy and to the family of the individual maybe, and really try to help rescue them. So we've helped support anywhere from right now, 160 to 180 different victims, whether that's in Cambodia, Laos, or Myanmar, but really partnering with the embassies, providing them that information 
because a lot of these victims we get in our investigations that come to us or we get through our website where they'll come to us and let us know that they're a victim um, that been that has been trafficked. And so we'll put our team on that depending on where they're at. And we'll start working with the embassy, local government, as much as we can to partner and build that relationship with them to help that victim. What advice do you have for the general public to not fall for scams? I would say the more social and public awareness we can make for this, first of all. And so even as a victim, don't hide behind it. Don't be ashamed of it. Get the word out there. That is the best way to stop this right now. I ask even the team on this, you know, share it with your friends, share it with family, because it does happen to family and friends. And so make them aware. Also, um, you hear this a lot. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, And so, you know, you can trust platforms, you know, if it's direct. But these one-off ones of, you know, whether it be this this is ad pay, like I said, or the the fake ETH mining or these fake platforms that are out there. Once again, I would say don't trust somebody that you've never personally met in person, especially around a financial investment. That's the best advice I could I could give. That's a wrap for Stop Scams, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Andre Yo. I'm David Sun. And I'm Jesse Lim. Once again, don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read our Stop Scams articles, there's a link in our podcast text description below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.